Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. Like it or not, consumers are moving to the convenience model. And so it's kind of like adapt or don't. Why fight it? So rather than sit there and complain about delivery this, delivery that, just find ways to adjust and to, to leverage it and take advantage of it. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with Joelle Parento, owner-operator of Wolfdown, who's making waves with her innovative yet common-sense approach to hospitality. Are you charging what your food is worth or are you charging what customers are willing to pay? What if you baked in a healthy profit margin into your pricing? What do we need to do to fix our broken system? We cover these questions and so much more with third time entrepreneur, first time restaurateur, Joel Parento, whose fresh take on the industry will blow your mind. Um, We do German street food and my fiance is German, I love him. Um, that's, that's a good start. Um, but he's the one who introduced me to this street food that they have in Germany. And whenever we'd go visit his family, we'd eat it all the time. It was like, this is amazing. Like, how do we not have this in, in Ottawa? And I mean, there's some small places that have it, um, in the U S but it's not well known yet. Um, so to me, it just seemed like a crazy business opportunity, whether it's food or not. I just was like, the world needs this. Um, and, and of course, we became obsessed with it. So we're like, we need this. And so it actually was for a number of years, we would just be the ones saying like, someone needs to open this. Someone needs to open this. Um, and then finally, it's just like, well, no one's, no one's going to do it. So I guess we just go for it. Um, he was, he's been in, in Canada for over a decade as well and like has always wanted it here. Um, so it was also kind of like, you know, I'm going to do this for you. Let, let, let's go. You, you introduced me to this. I think I can make it happen. Um, I don't know food business, but I know business. Um, so I know how to put a team together and, and find the right people and make it all, find all the pieces. So just kind of, it started off kind of just as a side project, kind of funny, like, Hey, let's just bring this German food to Ottawa and see what happens. Um, and it, it's been awesome. What were some of the big lessons learned in the first six months? Um, oh, so many things. Um, mostly how diff. So one of the things that makes I think this industry so difficult is that all the players that you're reliant upon, um, at least from my experience, I come from the tech startup world mostly, um, and now we were dealing with suppliers and stuff that were just so tech backwards or like. It was so painful just like getting the equipment, getting the food suppliers organized and stuff. And like, that's not usually where I I thought the challenges would be, but just lining up all these people and their systems sometimes are so archaic. And you're like, seriously, this is how we're doing things? And you kind of just go, okay, well, I guess that's how this industry works. But even just, just buying, finding the right equipment, I was dealing with those supplies. I'm like, you don't have an online, like, can I not look at this stuff? They're like, they send me a model number. I'm like, okay, 
and what the hell is this? What this, what's this? Like, do you not have a, a store or something I can go look? Like, everything seemed to be like this whole new um, dated way of doing things. And that, that certainly was a bit of an eye opener. Um, and then just the realities of, um, again, coming from the tech world and seeing like, okay, these things, they go bad. Like they, they literally, <laughs> they literally rot really quickly. So it's really important that you uh, gauge and estimate your volume and what you're going to need, or there's going to be so much waste at the same time, customers, like the volume changes so quickly from day to day and there's no predicting it. And then it snows and so no one comes in or this, or it's uh, there's a parade on the street. So a thousand people more come in and, it's just so volatile and I, that's kind of what I love about it. But that's also was kind of a, a bit of an eye opener. Were you able to allocate infrastructure to account for those things? How did you work around that? How did you work through all that? Um, you, so one you put in place like backup plans, I guess, um, in terms of making sure you always have, whatever as much stock as you need and and then being okay with realizing that sometimes it's just going to be impossible and you're just going to sell out and you just have to call it and say okay well we did our best um allocating staff hours is always interesting as well and some days there's nothing you can do and you kind of have to find that balance between not having too many people sitting around and realizing that sometimes you're just going to get slammed and you're just going to have to <laughs> bite the bullet and get through it and explain to everybody and and generally people are really understanding if you're you're there and you're just being honest with them like just say like look there was no way to predict this and everybody just came in at once because it's a beautiful day and we're doing the best we can are there inherent struggles within the industry that are just going to exist no matter what to a certain degree um there's there's rushes and it, it's it's designed to be like that people are pretty habitual and there's dinner rushes and there's lunch rushes and um but, but there are things you can do to kind of try to temper that or stretch it um but mostly what what we try to do is just allocate resources accordingly as much as we can and um mostly so actually probably the biggest thing that we've done to kind of address that is up our efficiency so that we are actually able to handle and get that food out quicker. So we have a super streamlined menu. Um, the process is, is something we complete, continuously hone. So, you know, that the amount of time it takes on the line or to get an order through or to get people in and out the door, those are the things that we constantly look to um, streamline. And therefore, what used to take us, you know, if, if we used to be able to serve, like, 50 customers an hour now we can do 80 um so we're just just trying to make our end of the bargain much more efficient um and that that's been interesting because it's changed so much with covid because we've gone from dealing with so many customers in store we have to stop take their order talk to them explain to them things to um doing predominantly orders coming in on a tablet and that, that was actually really interesting because the first week we realized we're like, we just did like massive numbers, but it didn't feel that crazy. And then right. we were like, oh, because no one was like talking to us and distracting us and we didn't have to like take orders. They just showed up on the KDS. So um, I that's been interesting because we, we went from 
doing maybe 50-50 in-store versus um, delivery to now like predominantly delivery. Uh, and that's actually made us much more efficient at actually getting food out, uh, which is, is kind of interesting. That actually reduces our, our labor needs. Um, so it's actually a more efficient model. So yeah, it's just always kind of looking at what you got and, and what you need to optimize. When you guys got hit with COVID, that was mm -hmm. what, eight months into operation? Just over, yeah. I think nine or 10, give or take, yeah. And then what did, what did business look like just before? It was, well, it was really starting to pick up because, I mean, our challenge up here is, is winter. And so like January, February, really slow. And then it starts to pick back up. So we were just starting to see like every week was incrementally growing and growing and growing. And then it was just like, oh, hard stop. <laughs> right. When did you guys reopen for operation? Just uh, a few weeks ago. So our actually, our biggest problem was that the supply chain failed us. And that's why we weren't able to, we were ready to kind of stay open and just do takeout because we already did a lot of delivery. We already worked with Uber Eats. So that was kind of like, okay, no problem. We'll just shift our focus more on that. But um, our key issue is that we do predominantly donor sandwiches and those need bread and the bakery that makes our very customized specialized bread, they shut down. Um, so that kind of forced our hand to go, okay, well, we can't stay open because our 80% of sales are sandwiches and we don't have bread. Right. Um, so we, in, in the interim, we decided we do, we would open just Saturdays to do just the, our bowls. So we start promoting, okay, we do also have salads and rice bowls. And that at least kind of kept us, kind of kept our foot in the door, kept us in front of our customers and they appreciated that. Um, and then just maybe three weeks ago, the bakery opened back up. So um, we were able to go back to, they're doing bread for us four days a week. So now we're back at it four days a week. And those, those days are crazy. So um, if people are, are right back in it, in terms of our customers are, are eager to, to support and to eat. Uh, so that's been a positive sign. Right on. You wrote an article back in April, and mm -hmm. in that article, you detailed fundamentally the issues that you saw within the industry. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about those issues that you brought up, and I want to talk about tech solutions, since you're a tech person, that, that we can use to fix those. So to, to begin, what, is, what, are, what are the foundational issues within the industry? Uh, number one, most obvious is the margins. Everybody talks about that. Um, and the irony is that, I mean, a lot of that was caused by the price wars and, and the, the downward pressure. Um, a lot of it also we did to ourselves. So, I mean, there, there's always been that, that fear that customers are gonna revolt if you increase prices. And then, but then on, on the flip side as a business, you go, okay, well, if I, you need to provide the value to justify higher, those higher prices, of course. Um, so you need a, a really unique quality differentiated product if you're going to command higher prices, just like any other industry. Um, so that's been my focus is saying, okay, well, how do we, how do we fix these margins? And basic, basically we've already done everything we can to, 
um, squeeze the efficient, like the, the cost efficiency out of things. Like rent is as low as it can. We optimize labor. Our our food costs are as low as we can get them um, without like just massive economies of scale. So we we did everything we could on that side of the equation, and then all that was left was saying, okay, like just the the price level is just unreasonable. Um, these things cost more, and they have to we have to increase prices. Um, and that was, that's basically what I found out in my first year also. Like I thought we'll be able to, to squeeze more margin out of this and you go, okay, well, this, this is all I got and it's still not enough. So I have no choice. Um, so that's actually something we just did. Uh, and it kind of went, like you said, COVID kind of just made it impossible to ignore the reality right. of that. And I went, you know what? Fuck it. We we have to do it. It's do or die right now. Um, and the irony, of course, is we did it and we we're just like bracing for the response. And like no one said anything. Like <laughs> either they no one's noticed or they just were like, yeah, okay, I'll pay $12 for this. Um, like, why did we wait so long to do this? Right. Um, well, you also took the same strategy with delivery. You inflated your delivery prices by whatever the associated cost of the commission was, right? Yeah, and that that seemed that was interesting because that was a kind of a no-brainer out the gate for me. I already I, I knew our margins would be tight. So I was like, there's obviously we don't have 30% here. So there's no way I'm going on this without compensating for it. And at the time that we were getting on Uber, it was kind of a gray area whether that was legal or not or whatever. And finally, we, we just took the stance of like, well, fuck it. We'll just do it and see what they say. See if they even notice. Um, because at the end of the day, our customers were asking, like, why aren't you an Uber? Why aren't you an Uber? I want, I want this delivered to me. So we went, okay, we'll do it. But this is the under these conditions because otherwise we're just going to be bleeding money. So we did. Um, it, it cost more on Uber. And it, basically, the way I look at it, and this is where I think some businesses restaurant owners have it backwards because I'm hearing this way too often right now. It's kind of frustrating me that they're saying, well, we're teaching our customers to order online and come to get, get it from us. Cause that's better for us. I'm like, well, when did this become about what's better for you? What's better for the customer wants it delivered to their home. Um, so the way we look at it is if, we look at what does the customer want? They want it brought to their home. So we will give that uh, them that option, but we will adjust prices accordingly. So I said, here, you want it at your house? That's fine. It's cost more though. Are you still okay with that? And they say, yes, by the thousands and they pay a premium and they get it how they want it. And if um, they don't, then that's just not a... Like you want to say, hey, no problem. Walk down the street and come to see us. Right. But if you can't get to us because you're busy or your kids or this or that, or it's not convenient to come, like we're downtown center town. It's not necessarily convenient for people to get to us. We don't have parking. So we get that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Uber's made for. I mean, I use it all the time for the same reasons. Hey, well, but you also offer a niche cuisine. And so my argument would be like the price wars exist between burger places right? The price wars exist between more, more conventional cuisines. There, my big concern is that, you know, one person can fuck it up for everyone else, right? Like one guy can come in and underprice everyone. And then that one person has made it about price, which means it's about price for everyone again. 
Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that to a certain degree. At the end of the day, also, though, if you have a better, more differentiated burger, you should be able to justify your higher price. Um, if you can do it better at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, it sucks when people do that, but you'll have it's just it'll appeal to a different customer so you have the people who literally just go for like dollar price value want the cheapest food and then you'll have all the people who are happy to to pay more for a quality product and that that was something that we thought about a lot because an in germany donor is is kind of this very cheap street food and we made a conscious decision to say we're going to make the premium version of that Mm -hmm. um and it's going to cost a little bit more. Also, it just has to cost more because we don't have the supply chain um, and the mass production that they have in Germany. We're the first ones doing this here in, in Ottawa. Um, so we made that choice and we said, okay, this is going to be a slightly higher end price point sandwich. Um, but we made it so good and such like it's a big portion. So it's good value and, and people where they might initially go like sticker shock. That seems like a lot for a sandwich. Once they have it, they're like totally worth it. So you need to earn that. Like you need to prove the value is there no matter what your price point is. And then you've just got to make sure your quality matches. So if you want to be cheap and use cheap and just do like the cheapest, quickest, fastest, totally then do that. If you want to do the best quality, the best taste, like good portion, the healthiest, whatever your thing is, find something and make sure you stand out. Or just, I mean, again, I just wouldn't open another burger shop if I don't have something like, why open another burger shop? If Think of something to make it unique. Right. Um, I don't know. What are some other foundational issues? Um, so a lot of, I mean, we touched a little bit on the resistance to delivery and to moving forward and just going like, like it or not, consumers are moving to the convenience model. And so it's kind of like adapt or don't, but why fight it? Um, So rather than sit there and complain about delivery, this delivery, that um, just find ways to adjust and to, to leverage it and take advantage of it. Like just, I don't like how much of the industry seems to just be complaining about it right now instead of just going like, all right, well, this is, this is, it is what it is. This is the, the, the real world. And if you want to capitalize on that or survive, then you have to adjust. And um, so it's more a question of how to, how to adapt. Um, and we've, We've done that, but we were also kind of designed day one to leverage that. Some I understand it probably was easier for us because we did it that way from the start. So it's not like we're trying to sh- change a, an, an established, long established model, but it's still just that's you kind of have to wake up and go, well, this is this is the world we live in now. So how do we make the most of it? And um, you did start different. Uh, you started with no gratuity. You started cashless. Yeah. Are, are those, there, there were a bunch of things like that. Can you roll me through the ideas behind those choices as well as the other innovative choices you made that kind of go against the yeah. industry trend? 
Um, the, I'll start with the gratuity thing. I'm kind of in the middle of writing a post on that right now. Um, again, especially coming from other businesses and then coming into this model, you're just like, this makes no sense. Like there's no logic behind this. It's just this historical thing that you got, everybody keeps doing. And it creates so much inefficiency in the, in the model. Um, just in the sense that, okay, well, now you can pay your labor less and you're counting on your customers to pay your, your people properly instead of just pricing properly so that I can actually pay my people properly. Um, there's so much wrong with it. Um, and then also just the fact that I don't think it actually works because most people don't vary their tipping amount. They just have like this set amount and they always tip and they feel guilty if they don't. So um, I'm, I'm probably one of the few that goes to the extreme where I'm like, okay, say my average is 20. If you're awesome, you get 30. If you suck and you don't make any effort, you get 10. That's, that's how it works. If, if it's meant to be an incentive, that's how it's supposed to work. But everybody just does this, the average normal thing. So it actually doesn't incentivize anything. It's expected. So it's not really motivating service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time on my end, I'm like, well, we're quick serve. Like you just grab and go in some case, like I didn't, this isn't even traditionally a tipping industry and yet it seems to be becoming so. Right. Um, and actually on a, I thought about myself as a consumer and I go, it bugged me when like I'd go to a coffee shop and they pour me a tea and then they, you know, ask for a tip. And I'm like, well, what did you do? Like that just, so I just saw this problem getting worse and I didn't want to be part of that problem. But also I just, I didn't want to put that discomfort on my, my customers of like, I always find it awkward when you like ask for a tip and you're like, Oh now okay. Social pressure. I have to tip even though whatever. Um, so I went, I'm not going to, I'm going to pay my people properly. I'm going to find a way to do that. And I'm not going to put that social pressure on my guests. Hilarious thing was that I didn't expect that our guests were to revolt and be like, they come in there like angry that they couldn't tip. They're like, we love you, we want to tip, and we want to show how much we love you and how great your people are. And I was like, look, I really appreciate that. That's awesome, that's what, what we're going for. Um, but like, so finally we just had to just put a tip jar for like, just so the angry, very pushy people could, could tip. And like, so now I don't even know where we're, like what to do about that because it's so ingrained in our culture i still disagree with it as a practice um so we still our staff knows we don't ask like we don't put you on the spot if you ask us where you can tip then you can go there's a jar over there if you want it but we don't put it in their face um so that's on the tipic side of things cashless again just coming from a, a tech world it just made sense but also i've you know, back in high school, I worked jobs with cash and counting your till and all this stuff. And if you just look at a business efficiency standpoint, you go like, this is not an efficient system. Now you have to, and like, it puts pressure on your, your cashiers, your staff to not screw up, to count money right. And at the end, like it adds so much process and overhead. And, and not only that, but we're in a kind of a rough street, like a rough area. So I'm like, well, there's also the fact that now you can get robbed like that's a real possibility where we are but you can't get robbed if you don't have cash um 
so it's actually safer as well. If someone comes in, there's not much. You can take a couple iPads. Like that's pretty much all we've got that's of use to anybody. Um, safety components, so the and efficiency, and um, any pushback. Oh yeah, but not as much as we expected. But there's always those people who are going to come in and say like, oh, I mean, you've heard the argument now. It's like, oh, cashless means you hate the poor, and we're like. We don't, we don't hate the poor. And actually, if anything, if you, if someone comes in and they only have cash, we'll always make it work. So we'll get one of the managers to go, okay, I'll take your cash. I'll put it on my card. Like we, we make it work for people. We don't turn anybody away. Um, but the way we look at it in, is that also because of all those process efficiencies and the reduced, well, mostly how much time we save not counting cash and not having to deal with all of that. Um, it's just cost savings. And those are things that go back into the product. Um, we're just trying to run an efficient business so that we can keep our, our costs as reasonable as possible. Like, so it's, it's, again, it's always in the interest of building the best business possible for us and for the customer. Well, and looking to the future in a post COVID world, what do you think the restaurant experience looks like for restaurateurs and for patrons? Is it, you know, virtual menus, contactless, this? Can you walk me through uh, your ideas for the industry and also what you're doing in your own restaurant? Yeah, so um, I think the pre-ordering is, is, it's obviously going to pick up and going to maintain. Like we don't, we weren't taking orders in store. So everybody had to go online and now that they know that they can just pre-order online or like once they have the app on their phone, um, I think we'll continue to see that just rising, which is, is, is nice. Cause then the, the order just comes up on the tablet. We have it made by the time they get there. Um, and of course the shift to delivery, we're doing like record breaking delivery numbers every week, of course, with everything going mm -hmm. on, so that's just gonna, I assume that, that will continue. Um, we don't have, because we're predominantly takeout, I think that we won't be as impacted as of course, like the sit down dine in that um, have physical menus. I have seen um, that some of the places that are opening back up in Vegas, though, they're doing like scan a QR code for the menu. So you look at it on your phone instead of having physical menus and like all these stuff just makes sense anyways. Like the, it, it's kind of just accelerated where the world is going. I mean, I always just looked at menus on my phone before going to the restaurant um, to begin with. So I think it's just accelerating the pace of change and, and the, the amount of technology that we're going to see. Um, now, of course, for certain generations, that'll be harder or easier to adapt to. Um, but I think they're all Ultimately, I think they're all mostly positive changes as hard, change is hard, but these are good changes, ch or changes for the better. So um, I think that that's kind of the, at the end of the day, it's like, just, just go with it and, and adapt. It's, it's the time. Is your goal as a business person to make money this year? Or are you guys just trying to stay afloat for the next 18 months? Where's your head at? Um, my uh, my goal is actually to build foundations this year. Um, we want to expand and we're starting to look at, um, in, so yeah, more like investing versus not, not looking to make a profit this year, but to, to lay the groundwork um, so that 
um, over the next few years. I think there'll be a lot of rebuilding and a lot of new growth, and we want to be there for that. There'll be plenty of cheap real estate out there. There you go. So it's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the industry. Is there anything you'd like to share? (laughs) Increase your prices. That's Joelle Parento, founder of Wolfdown. For more on Joelle and her restaurant, go to wolfdown.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.